On Sunday, our pastor was, um, you know, I think in his opening remarks, talking about um, one of our people here that uh, had a tie on um, <laughs> of a certain color. But my question for that individual is, uh, will he be wearing that tie this coming Sunday? <laughs> because um, I think they're playing Alabama this week. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll see. Um, I just had to throw that out. Recently, I uh, brought a message about how our country was founded by those who either had a personal relationship with God or at least had a reverence and a respect for God in the Bible. And I pointed out how as a result of our founding and subsequent leaning that the United States had enjoyed a blessing of God and we'd become one of the greatest nations to have ever existed. And I used as a text verse Psalm 33, 12, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And I went, went on to point out how that our nation has gradually drifted away from God and his word, and especially in, in more recent times. Uh, I mentioned evidences of how God has been expelled from our education system. Uh, he's been uh, dismissed from government, public displays, the media, uh, public venues in general. And, of course, we have the misinterpreted phrase, separation of church and state, which is not found in the Constitution. But it's given as the excuse to banish God and Bible from everyday life in America. And even many once strong Bible-believing and practicing churches are now full of compromise and worldliness. And you probably have heard this before, but weak preaching produces weak Christians. And weak Christians make weak families. Weak families make weak churches. Weak churches make a weak nation. Um, tragically, many Christians are blending in with non-believers today. And I refer to those as camo Christians. So as a result of Christians and churches not being what they should be, uh, this is resulting, of course, in our country's drifting away from God. And so I pose the question, has God turned his back on the United States and withdrawn his blessings that we once enjoyed? And we need to make no mistake that amazing technological inventions, a higher standard of living, and advancements in healthcare and medicine are not to be mistaken as an indication of God's blessing on our country. Those things are good, but they're not equal to saying, well, God's blessing our country because we have that. So as God's been removed from our country, uh, we've seen the things that really matter in life, things that we always took for granted, begin to erode and fade. Patriotism, love of country, respect and love for our fellow man, Common decency, respect for law and order, a strong work ethic, honest, honesty, integrity, respect for those in authority, uh, respect and reverence for God in the Bible. On the other hand, as the good and decent things have declined, 
we've seen things that we used to not have to worry about be on the rise. Crime, drug use, abortion, divorce, cohabitation, immorality, harboring and protection of lawbreakers, sanctuary cities, illegal immigration, national disunity, open violation of the Constitution and laws by elected and appointed government officials, criticism, ridicule, and even hatred of Christians, murder, rights, anarchy, we could go on and on. And now we had the coronavirus, which has caused a disruption in American life like no other in recent times. And all of these things, all of these are things that with God's protection and his blessing, had at one time been more of an exception rather than a common everyday occurrence. You know, some of us can remember uh, back when the main thing that teachers had to worry about was chewing gum and talking. <laughs> um, and uh, um, this, this is not in the mainstream of the message, but... Um, you know, substitute teachers, they have, uh, they have a real challenge. Um, and I don't know, some of you have probably done substitute teaching before, but you have to let them know who's boss right off the bat. Uh, you, you can't, you know, go in and act like you don't know what you're doing. And uh, thinking about how things have changed in schools, I remember one time we had a substitute teacher, and, and uh, this was before the days of overhead projectors. Um, how many of you remember overhead projectors? Anybody? Okay, you younger people probably don't. But um, the overhead projector, projector was a was a big revolutionary tool uh, that teachers embraced with open arms because it enabled them to teach without having to turn their back to the class and write on the blackboard. But I can remember one time uh, in a class I was in and high school we had a substitute teacher and uh, she turned her back and was writing stuff on the board here goes a paper wad and uh, so she didn't really see it she she finished writing something turned back around then it wasn't long she turned around and write something else here goes two or three paper wads and it wasn't long before when she turned her back it looked like it was snowing in there um, but anyway that that was just you know something I thought about but it's true that we as individuals, um, we don't have the power to turn things around uh, in terms of making laws or changing laws. We're not, we're not elected to do that. And as individuals, we, we can't sit on a, in a courtroom and, and we can't rule laws that were passed that were unconstitutional. We can't get those thrown out. Um, and uh, we can't do other things in that respect. And, and of course, we know our judicial system now has left the purpose of, of the, 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 the judicial system. Um, instead of interpreting laws to be whether or not they're constitutional, they're making laws. And that's not right. And we can't uh, see that law and order uh, is carried out and, and prevails. But as individuals, we can play a big part, nevertheless, in making sure that our country is once again in a position to receive the blessings of God. And in the previous message, I, I listed a few of the things that we could do uh, to affect change for the better in our country. And I'm not going to go through that list again. Um, I am going to mention one 
uh, that um, I want to just touch on briefly. And then another one I am going to delve into is the main part of the message. But uh, one I want to mention briefly is voting. Um, I heard recently that it's estimated that there's 80 million evangelical Christians in the United States. And of that 80 million, only 40 million are even registered to vote. And of that 40 that are registered, only 20 million actually voted in the last election. And, you know, I think uh, if a Christian doesn't vote, um, it's a sin. You say, well, how can you say that? Well, um, the, way I, the way I base my statement is, uh, would you not say that voting for somebody that's pro-life is a good thing? Yes. Would you say voting against somebody or not voting for somebody that's for abortion is a good thing? Yes. Well, in James it says, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it is sin. So that's where I, where I get that. So, um, you know, some people have a problem uh, with, with one of the candidate's personalities and brashness. But again, it's not about personality, it's about policy. But if you have, if, if that's really, you know, keeping you on the sideline, let me invite you to look at the vice presidential candidates. I know based on somebody that has good information that there's one of the candidates for vice president that's a Christian and uh, is an outstanding person and I'll be glad to give you some more details uh, after the service if you need them. But I think you can feel good about at least one of those vice presidential candidates if, if that will help you. So um, we're going to, to move on to the the thing that I think we in, as Christians can do to help our situation here in this country. And I wanna, um, we're gonna be looking at quite a few scriptures, but um, John 8 verse 12 is the first one. And it says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And then go over, if you like, or listen to me read 1 John, 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 5. 1 John 1, 5 says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We've read two passages, one where Jesus said that he was the light, and then this recent passage here where it says God is light. And now for my text uh, scripture, uh, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 13. And if you will, stand with me as we read these verses in Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> Matthew 5 and verse 13 says, Ye are the salt of the earth, 
But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In these verses, Jesus says that we are salt and light. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord, that we can go to it, we can get instruction, we can learn how that we're to live this Christian life. And Father, I just pray that you'll use me, uh, that you'll speak through me as a vessel, that the word that you want to go out will be imparted to your people tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. As I frequently tell my Sunday school class, um, when I teach or speak, um, I'm speaking to myself, first of all. Um, because I need it worse than anybody, so I just wanted to make sure everybody understands where I'm coming from. But uh, talking about salt and light, um, how many of you like salt? Um, you know, I'm, I'm not really a big salt uh, person. Um, I, I don't know why, uh, but I guess it's good because they say too much salt is not good for you. Um, and uh, I, I don't cook. I, um, I can make oatmeal. Uh, that's, that's about the extent. And, and my wife doesn't like it, so she doesn't eat my oatmeal. But um, uh, I don't know. I, I'd imagine those of you that know how to cook, you, you put salt in your recipes, uh, even, even apart from when you put it on the plate and then you pour it on with a salt shake. I'm sure salt goes into some of your foods that you cook like that. But um, I was thinking about one food that I couldn't hardly eat, or I, I didn't like to eat without salt, and that's watermelons. Um, to me, salt really makes a watermelon, um, you know, better than what it is without it. Um, and, uh, you know, salt, um, it it's, uh, it's, can be used as a cleanser, and it promotes healing. Um, bathing a cut or a sore in salt water helps kill the infection. Um, salt can be used um, because it's a mild abrasor as a cleanser. And so as Christians, if we have the salt in our life like we need to, we will help the, cleanse the world and heal the world uh, of the sin that's in there. It's also a preservative. Um, back in Jesus' day, that's probably the main, re, main use it had was, was preserved. Um, they didn't have the refrigeration. They didn't have the canning and things like we have today. You know, I was thinking, and uh, maybe you've thought about this before. Maybe it doesn't uh, interest you. But I was thinking about when Jesus was here on earth. And, of course, he knew everything. Um, he knew that there's going to be refrigerators and, you know, all the conveniences that we have today. But yet, you know, he didn't pull the disciples, you know, decide to say, hey, guys, you know, down the road, they're going to have ways of keeping this meat good without having to put salt on it. And I'm just thinking, you know, how, how that was for him to live in the world without the things that we have today, knowing that eventually there, there would be those things in the world. But anyway, that's just a sidelight that, that I 
thought about um, as I was going over this. But um, preservative. You know, they even say that back in that day that salt was so valuable that sometimes the soldiers were paid with pouches of salt. Um, but, you know, it, it would prevent meat and fish from going bad and, and other foods. Um, so as a Christian, uh, we, we can use our influence to help preserve things that are good and keep out rotten influences. And that's, that's what we're talking about tonight. Um, of course, salt, as we've said, it's an enhancer. It enhances the flavor of food. And so as a Christian, if we've got salt like we should have, uh, we're going to enhance the world and we're going to make it a more joyful place to live. Um, I was also thinking about uh, uses of salt. And uh, I was thinking about in the wintertime when there's an inch or so of ice on the road or in the driveway, it's good to have some salt to get some traction. And I was thinking about, you know, another little um, rinky-dink analogy, so to speak, was, you know, we've got people on the road to hell sliding down into hell, um, and yet if we could be salt, we could stop them. We could, you know, turn, turn them around. Um, but uh, let's talk about uh, light for just a minute. You know, light cheers and brightens. And as Christians, uh, we, we have the hope that we need to be shining all around to the world that's such a desperate and a gloomy place. Um, light guides, guides us in the darkness. Um, and we know right now this world, this nation, is very dark. Um, and so we need to be a light. Um, light reveals danger and it warns about it. Um, and, of course, that's another uh, role that we can play as Christians is we can be a warning, uh, just like a uh, lighthouse. Um, if you have a cell phone uh, that has a light on it, uh, if you'd like to participate with me, take it out and have it ready to turn on here in just a minute. I want to try to illustrate something uh, as far as light goes. But um, uh, I want us to think about the auditorium here um, as being the United States back when it was founded. And as I want us to think about the lights here in the auditorium as being Christians and churches that were shining brightly for Jesus Christ. And Daniel's going to help me now as he's slowly going to take down the lights for us just to think and reflect on how that as churches have compromised and Christians have quit letting their light shine, what has happened to our country. Um, you can see it's starting to get dark in here. And that's the way our country has become, as Christians have refused to shine the light that God's given us. As we just read, that he said, Jesus said, you are salt and light. And um, th this is, you know, something that uh, we hate to see happen in our country. But just like this auditorium is getting dark, um, th this, this is what's happened to our country. Now, if you want to turn your cell phone on light, and you can see as you look around the auditorium, you can see how that the cell phone lights are really standing out. Um, and this is what can happen here in the United States. If we're letting our light shine like we should, like Jesus said we're to be, then we're going to be, uh, we're going to stand out. And, and people are going to come to us because we have what they're looking for. Thank you for your participation. And I thank you, Daniel, for helping me with that. Now, if I can just turn mine off. There we go. Um, 
So um, let's talk about some ways that we can be salt and light in our darkened country today. Uh, there's um, some verses here in Colossians chapter 4. Uh, we're going to look at Colossians 4 verses 5 and 6. And uh, again, if you just want to listen, you don't have to turn to all these. That's fine. But it says in Colossians 4, 5, and 6, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. And there are several things that we can pick up from this verse um, as far as being salt, and that's, that's with our speech. Um, first of all, we need to be aware of the tone of our voice. That, that's what I think it's talking about there. Let, let your speech be with grace. Um, you know, it's easy for us in the flesh to use the wrong tone of voice with people. And, and um, we, can, we can say things in the wrong way. It might be the right thing to say, but the way we say it is a turnoff. And it's a way that, that hinders our witness for Christ. Um, and, 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 of course, our tone is, a, is an indication of what's going on inside of us. And, uh, you know, sometimes when, when somebody does something wrong to us, you know, we want to let them have it. You know, we want to come right back at them. But we've got to ask the Lord to help us to, to you know, not act in the flesh and, and react to them in the wrong way. And because what we have to say may not even be heard if it's not said in the right way. Um, and talking about speech here, we've got to make sure that we don't pass up the opportunity to interject God Christ in the Bible in our everyday conversations. That's what it means when it says seasoned with salt. Um, you know, governments can take God out of the public, but they can't take God out of our conversations. Um, it's kind of like, you know, they can take prayer out of school, but as long as there's Christian students going to school, there's going to be prayer going on where the government says they can't. And uh, um, we need to, um, you know, utilize opportunities in everyday conversations to interject God in the Bible. Um, even, even if it's just a few brief words of how God is, is working in your life, that would put him back in the public consciousness. Um, and you never know how God can use just a few words in a person's life. It doesn't have to be a sermon. It doesn't have to be a, even a short discourse. But sometimes uh, something like, hey, God really helped me in that situation as you're talking to somebody. Or, you know, if God hadn't been protecting me this morning on the way to work and that car on my side of the road, I could have really got hurt. Or, um, you know, you might be talking about your physical situation and, and just interjecting, hey, I prayed that God would heal me, and he did. Uh, Proverbs 25:11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. And uh, Mark 9:50 says, Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his saltness, wherewith will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Um, we've got to guard against letting anything that would put a, right, a riff between us and another person. And, you know, the devil knows that we have the answer of what it takes to save people from going to hell. And if he can get us to do or say anything that would cause a lost person not to be open to the message that we have about the gospel, he's going to do it. And uh, it can be very difficult uh, to manage this, but if we ask the Holy Spirit every day, help us not to, to say anything 
that would hinder this person from watching my life and coming to know you as Savior. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3 says, Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistles of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. In other words, we've got God inside of us. We've got the Bible that we've studied and heard preached. And um, that's how people can see and, and hear the Word of God, not just reading it. Um, you know, being salt and light right now is easier in one way that it's been in a long time because this world is in this country is so dark. Um, on the other hand, it's, it's really hard because the forces of evil and darkness are working harder than ever to, to fully envelop this country um, in darkness. Um, John 3, verses 19 and 20 says, And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. You know, um, uh, one, in, in one way I was thinking, even if I wasn't a Christian, um, I'd love to live in a neighborhood full of Christians. Because then I wouldn't have to worry about somebody coming into my carport and stealing something, you know. Um, but, um, you know, there's a big push by, by people today, um, people that seem to be out in front of things, to, to squash Christianity and, and, and have Christians, you know, not vocalize their Christianity. And I think, you know, it goes back to this verse here. It's because their deeds are evil. You know, um, when Christian people are around, not that they're always preaching or anything like that, but just the life that a Christian lives, if they're living a life that's pleasing to God, that brings condemnation to people that are trying to do the wrong things. Um, and and, and they, they don't like, you know, uh, it brought to their attention just by a godly life that they're, sin, they're sinning and doing wrong. And that's why there's a big push to just get Christianity uh, out of here altogether because people that are living contrary to the word of God, they don't, don't want to be reminded of that when they're looking at a Christian and how they're living according to the word of God. And uh, so uh, one of the reasons there's a big push to get, get Christians and God and the Bible out of the public and even to limit the free exercise of religion is to minimize and remove the feelings of guilt and wrong by those that are being influenced by the devil. Out of sight, out of mind. Um, and, and let me just comment here. Um, it's not the freedom of worship. It's the free exercise of religion. There's a big difference, a big difference there. Um, you know, they're going to maybe go along with freedom of worship, but they're trying to get rid of free exercise of religion. Matthew 544 says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Romans 12:20, Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. So when somebody mistreats us, um, what do they expect from us? <laughs> they expect us, expect us to go right back at them, don't they? Um, uh, I remember um, 
you know, being around some kids back when I was in a certain school system, and uh, uh, because of the situation they came from, their home life and other things, um, that's their attitude was, you know, they were going to do something that was wrong, they were going to disobey a rule, and they were expecting, you know, just to be lashed out at. Um, but when, when somebody mistreats us or says something bad and we, we don't react in that way, um, that's, a, that's a way God can use our reaction to convict them. Um, and uh, we just need to be aware that that's being salt and light. Um, and it, and it's, it's a great contrast to the mind of the other person when they see that we're acting in a Christian way uh, and not in an unchristian way. Um, being salt and light is so different uh, from what, what the normal way people act and what others expect, it's a powerful witness that the Holy Spirit can use to convict other people. Now, the, the things that I've shared on how we can be salt and light are things that we can definitely work on. And they're things that, if you're like me, uh, you have to make a conscious effort every day to implement them in, in, in our lives. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. If, if that's where I'm at or that's where you're at, and being salt and light is every day, you've got to really focus. You've got to really pray. Um, that's what we got to do. Um, but there's, there's a more effective and easy way to be salt and light, and that's to develop a closeness to God um, uh, and, and a daily reliance of, of, of relying on the Holy Spirit to guide us. Um, the closer that we get to God in our relationship with him, the more natural and the less effort it takes to be salt and light um, and to show Christ to others in our country um, because it'll, it'll just come naturally to us because we're walking with the Lord. We're, we're in fellowship with him, and it's not something we have to consciously think about. Um, one of the keys to this is Colossians 3.16, let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Um, again, elementary, but we've got to be in God's word. If we're not in God's word, we're not going to have the closeness to him that we need to have. Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Um, we've got to make a conscious effort to think like Jesus would think. Um, and, and I like to think about it like this. How would I look at something or how would I react to something if I had Jesus Christ right beside of me? Um, and, you know, if, if I know when I, when I have that as a, as a guiding point, I, I have to really change some things. Um, you know, if I'm saying, you know, if Jesus was here, would I be looking at that? If Jesus was here, would I be listening to that? Uh, would I be saying that? It makes a big difference, at least it does for me. You know, for a couple of years, I, I've, I've coached basketball in the past uh, quite a bit, but for a couple of years... Um, I had the opportunity to coach uh, basketball um, and, and, and with a man that had been a, a college basketball coach, a very successful and good college basketball coach. And uh, um, in all fairness, um, his son was on my team. <laughs> so, so it wasn't like, you know, he didn't have an interest in, in it um, on, on another level. But um, I learned more basketball from him than I had learned as a player or, or any previous coaching. And um, 
I found myself just latching on to him. Um, you know, I had him come to the practices. I had him, you know, do drills. And I was like a sponge, just absorbing everything that he knew about basketball. I had him sit right beside me on the bench in the games. Um, I would have him a lot of times during the timeout. He'd do the talking. And, and the whole time, I was developing the mindset that he had as a coach so that I could become a better coach myself. And that's, that's the way it ought to be as, as far as us and a, and a walk with the Lord. Is just we want him right beside of us, and we want to develop his mindset and how we should react and deal with situations. Galatians 5.22, I wanted to look at a few verses there. Galatians 5.22 through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. That's, there's the verse. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. And then um, in Ephesians chapter 5 again, verse 8 says, um, I'm sorry, I think, uh, I think that's, that's the wrong the wrong one, so we'll let that one go. Um, I like to think of the Christian life as being on a continuum. And uh, on, on one end, um, I would say we have what I would call blender Christians. They're Christians that blend right in with the world. And on the other end, we've got a godly Christian. And uh, um, the, the blender Christian would be somebody that puts their light under a bushel, and they hide it. Um, and uh, on, the, on the blender side, we've got people that are conformed to this world, and the godly Christian are people that are transformed. Romans 12, 2. Uh, you're familiar with this verse, but um, I feel like we need to read it, so I'm going to share it real quickly here. Romans 12, 2. Probably ought to be able to quote it says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Um, as I think of godly Christians, and that, that's what we, I think, as Christians ought to really have as our goal, is we want to be a godly Christian. But as I think of godly Christians that I've known in my life, there's one thing that stands out, and that is that godly Christians appeared to be godly without seemingly making the effort to be godly. Um, and uh, it, I compare it a little bit to uh, some people that are in great physical shape. Um, and, and you know that they're in good shape because they're always talking about, well, i got to go to the gym today. Or they're saying, um, you know, if, they're, if you're sharing a meal or something, oh, I can't eat, I can't eat that piece of cake, you know. That's just, you know, i got to watch what I'm eating. Or um, they'll say, I've got to make sure I'm drinking my two gallons of water today. In other words, you know, they're, they're letting you know, hey, I'm working on being in good shape or I'm in good shape. 
And then there's other people that you know they're in great shape, but you never hear them say any of that stuff. And that's, that's what I think about when I think about a godly Christian is they're not somebody that is making you consciously aware that they're godly, but they are because they have a close relationship with Jesus Christ. And what they're doing is just a natural outflow of being close to God and walk with him. You know, we, we've got a great verse or two in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in case we need it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 14 and 15 it says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live henceforth should not live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. You know, whenever I, I'm getting a little weary and uh, doing what I ought to do as a Christian, this is a good motivation verse for me to think about. Think about how much Christ loved you and died for you and, and went, what he went through um, because he wanted you to have eternal life. You ought to be willing to do something for him. And um, if we're really in love with Christ like we say are, we are, we're going to be motivated to live for him and not for ourselves. Uh, we're going to be motivated to try to get as close as we can to God and be the salt and light that he says we are. You know, that verse doesn't, it says, ye are light, ye are salt. It doesn't say, you know, you're eventually going to get there. Uh, we're equipped right from the time we're saved to be salt and light. Um, we're not going to be a true follower of Christ if we're just drifting along in, obs in obscurity. Um, and we're not really a true follower of Christ if we're not being the salt and light that he's called us to be. Um, the, the verse that we read back uh, in chapter 5 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You notice he, he, he used the word see your good works. He didn't say uh, that they may hear your good words, did he? He said that they may see your good works. Now, there's nothing wrong with telling people about the Lord and witnessing to them. I'm, I'm all about that. But many times, people need to see God on display through us before they hear the word of God from us. And um, uh, we, we, we cannot minimize the daily life we're living in front of other people and the witness it is. Um, them seeing how we're reacting to situations and, and how we're dealing with things and, uh, you know, depending on God to get us through it. Um, and, uh, you know, I was thinking about um, letting our light shine. Uh, my grandkids, uh, sometimes we, we, you know, when they come home, we do a fire pit at night and we'll get some flashlights out. And invariably, one of them will point the flashlight right in my face, <laughs> you know, and kind of temporarily blind me. And, and, you know, they're not doing it to me mean. It's just, you know, kids are kids. And, and I was thinking about, you know, sometimes as Christians, that's the approach we take with the light we have. <laughs> you know, we, we get our Christian light and we just point it right in somebody's eyes and slam them with the gospel. You need to get saved. You're lost. You know, <laughs> and we, we just blind them by being so brash with it. And so we got to be careful about that. Um, in Matthew, uh, again, Jesus said we're to be salt and light. 
And um, imagine uh, if a majority of the Christians here in the United States would, would commit to be truly salt and light, what a transformation would take place in this country. Um, there's no, there's, you know, all of us are hoping uh, things will go the right way in this election. But as, as has been said up here before, that's not going to be the answer. No matter who or who is not elected, that's not going to be the answer. The answer is going to be found if we as Christians are salt and light. Um, that's, that's the answer. So how salty are you? How salty am I? How bright is our Christian light? Um, does, does our light have a dimmer switch? <laughs> um, you know, do, do we, we, you know, turn it down during the week and then we turn it up real bright when we come to church? Um, you know, some people will call them, you know, well, that's a dimmer switch disciple, you know. Um, turn it on and off. Um, and uh, maybe, as I said, um, you, like me, have to sometimes start with small steps of, of consciously being the salt and light that, that we need to be. And, and, and we, it, 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 it may be mechanical, but that's all right. The, but we got the ultimate goal. I want to be so close to God and walk with him that my light is just going to burn bright naturally. It's not going to be something that I have to manufacture. Um, I'm going to ask if you would, uh, well, let me, let me back up first. Um, I um, made up a little evaluation form, and if I could have some you fellas help me uh, give these out. And uh, um, I'll, I'll kind of tell you. there's a lot more that can be added to it and I kind of just took it um, I got one of the evaluation forms that uh, was done on me they do them at me on me every year at work I guess some of y'all have that too but um, uh, I just kind of adapted a little bit um, you can be ranked as unsatisfactory needing improvement much or some expected performance or exceeding performance and, of course, you'll see under the, in the different categories there, I've used the fruits of the Spirit and a few other things that I believe would help us manifest salt and light. And, again, if you have um, some things that you think, hey, Wendell, why don't you add this? I'll be open to, to your giving me those because this is something I need to, to, to use myself. Now, after you've gone through and evaluated yourself, I want you to, Hand this form to your wife or husband and let them check to see if it's accurate. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding on that. But um, if you want to, go ahead, you know, um, uh, see, see how it... But what I'd like to do before we have our closing prayer is I'd like for us to, to sing a, a song that we used to sing as a child. And yet it's a message that is so needed in our adult lives today. And so if you'll join me in singing um, This Little Light of Mine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. 
This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine all the time, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine all the time, let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out, I'm gonna let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out, I'm gonna let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine all the time, let it shine. And finally, let it shine till Jesus comes, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine all the time, let it shine. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this message that you've given me to share tonight about being the light that we need to be, being the salt. And Father, I just pray that you'll help each one of us to evaluate where we are and letting our light shine and help us not to let the people that talk about political correctness and people that would tend to discourage us from being what we need to be, not that we're trying to um, just rub it into people or just to get in their face, but just to live the life that you've asked us to live in front of others so that your Holy Spirit, as people watch our lives and as we interject <clears throat> the words that uh, you would give us about you and, and your word and how that you're working in our life and how you've brought us through things and how that they've seen us struggle, but yet we've kept our faith, that they'll be convicted and that they'll want to have what we have in our heart. Thank you again for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Brother Wendell. What an appropriate message in today's age in which we live. We need to be lights. I like that dimmer switch Christian one. I might steal that. Can I borrow that? I'll give you credit for it when I borrow it, though. Uh, if you have prayer request cards, does anybody have a prayer request card they need to turn in tonight? I have one up here. I do have one. Thank you. This comes from uh, Miss Peggy Cowden uh, for Mary Bowery. Uh, she was in our Brookdale ministry, um, and she's at NHC right now with a broken hip, and she tested positive for COVID. She is 90 years of age, uh, so we definitely keep her in your prayers. Um, when did she break her hip? Was it recently? Two weeks ago. So pray for her, and with COVID on top of everything else, uh, just especially keep her in your prayers. Any other prayer requests tonight? New prayer requests that weren't in our prayer bulletin last week? Yes. Yes.